everybody, and welcome back to Writing the Rapids, the show where I, Joe Balecki, talk to writers about writing. Very often those writers have been recommended to me by writers who have been previously on the show. In this case, Mika has been on the show before when she and Anthony Dragonetti talked about the online literary magazine Surfaces.cx. Mika has a new book out from Apocalypse Party called No Tiger, and we talk about that as well as a few other things. Mika is a trans-experimental writer from Indiana. She tweets about blood and military weaponry at Tokyo underscore vamp on Twitter and runs the online literary project Surfaces.cx. Before I let you get into the conversation, let's uh, participate in some e-begging. If you want to help support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. I just added a $10 a month tier where you can get shoutouts at the end of podcast episodes, a copy of my new book, as well as the serial Jellyfish Aches story and early access to these episodes. Well, that's patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. And if the subscription model isn't your thing, paypal.me slash noisemakerjoe is a way to throw me a one-time donation just a couple shekels. Okay, now let's get into my conversation with Mika. I think Denial Cycles is the the piece that first really broke me out of what I was expecting uh, from the book, uh, particularly... Um, her corpses begin to pile up in the corner, and all I do now is bleed heavy every day. It won't stop. The blood won't stop. I'm never going to be a mother, am I? Because um, the 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 marketing for No Tiger <clears throat> made it I don't know seem seem more mechanized than that stanza stands out to me as. Um, there, there's a tenderness to No Tiger that I found really surprising, um, and ultimately I'm very happy that it's there. Um, yeah, like, so this book, like, there's definitely, like, a heavy focus on, like, I guess this more, like, warfare aesthetic and stuff, and, like, uh... The body as object especially like later on in the book like in the second half because it's like a compilation of my work from the past couple years mm. and i kind of shifted towards the like the the warfare stuff later on but a lot of my work like and especially my first two zines which are part of what got compiled into this are exploring like um gender like gender identity and sexuality and stuff and uh denial cycles specifically was something i wrote i think it was the, i wrote it for a prompt for i think it was arson house i think it was called mm. arson house press i can't remember the exact name but uh or no it was burning house burning oh house yeah press. So are they still around uh, i'm not sure yeah i'm not sure but um they uh had their they were doing monthly like uh like guest editor submissions and stuff and i think the the uh theme for that month was blood mm. and it got me thinking about uh specifically periods which is what this piece is kind of about is like the the experience of missing out on something that's considered very like essentially feminine or, or female um 
And so, like, it just got me reflecting on this and, like, on this feeling of, like, uh, just missing out, I guess, or feeling like something is missing uh, in my body. And I'm trying to find the piece now in my book, actually. Hmm. Because... Like it, it, yeah, I I one of the big things that I've I I feel a lot in some of my earlier work, like when I started to explore gender in my writing, is specifically this notion of like uh, motherhood or like mm -hmm. absence, like the absence of it, um, because that's something that like I think early on in transition was what affected me the most was like trying to understand my own like ability to be a parent or like or like the, like the, the I guess my lack my inability to be a mother in a strict traditional sense like you can't go through a pregnancy and 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 a birth and all of that um, and that's something that really affected me early on when I transitioned. Okay. Yeah, I, that's kind of... That's how it came across to me. Um, and as... I don't know. As, as, I, as I read more literature written by non-straight, non-cis people, um, there are those little things that I... I pick up on that seem like obvious to me um even though i've never really considered them it reminds me of like being in elementary school and people talking about the water cycle and it's like oh yeah of course that's how that works even though you've never considered that before um but throughout the the like way that the book is organized it's a it's an interesting kind of transition from that like tenderness to to the more mechanizedness is this just is it like organized chronologically and like when you wrote it for the most part um sort of so it when i originally compiled it uh it was just like mostly the three zines i had written over the course of 2019 to early 2020 just in order um, but I started to shift stuff around because I realized there was some stuff I was writing at different times that wasn't in the zines to begin with hmm. and also fit with the earlier themes a bit better. Okay. Um, but yeah, overall, though, it is kind of a showing the natural progression of my own work as I went from almost like purely internal explorations of the self to kind of shifting towards exploring like the ways that like politics and warfare and stuff affects like identity and and yourself um hmm. and like like it also i think kind of goes along with like what was happening at the time with my my, my political radicalization because i i also I just went, I went through a lot in 2019, like along with 
like when I was writing more about like gender and stuff like that, that was before I started any hormone therapy. Hmm. And then as I started hormone therapy, it kind of set my, my identity started to settle down a bit, I guess, or my own internal like crises or conflicts with it started to settle down. I start to shift more towards um, examining the world around me in a way I hadn't before. And that's when I started to get almost like, I almost got like obsessed with like uh, warfare stuff. Like I got like, I don't, I, and it's still kind of am obsessed. Like it's something that I just, like I am always looking at. And it started in about like midway through 2019 is when I started to write about it. And like, it's all I could ever think about. Mm. I think that's when I became aware of you and surfaces and your writing. It's interesting to me that your political radicalization led you more toward military stuff. I read the, the Logan Berry interview that you did and you talked about how, as you were a kid, um, was it your dad who had a whole bunch of like 70s science fiction books? Yeah, yeah, my dad like has a little had a little library in our basement that was just all really old like military sci-fi and stuff that like I read books like Armor and Starship Troopers and stuff mm. like that. Sure. Because as a kid I similarly had an interest in guns and weapons and stuff like that. Maybe it's because my parents didn't partake in that type of media that they um like dissuaded me from being really really into it um like there was a point where they just kind of stopped taking me to laser tag because i was taking it way too seriously (laughs) um but as my class consciousness developed i found myself getting kind of turned off by war um I don't know. I'm like, is it the spectacle of of warfare that intrigues you, or like, what is it about, you know, pictures of explosions happening in the Middle East that that draws you to them? Well, so the first time I started to explore it in my work, it was kind of, which I, I don't remember if I get into this in the in the other interview but it's it started with the piece generation kill cheek which uh was basically me trying to process this weird period in my life when i was a teenager where i was not radicalized i didn't have any coherent politics and i was very fixated on trying to join the military i really wanted to enlist Mm. And I was, and I wrote that piece trying to kind of process that, and like, cause I, and the rest of the stuff after that is kind of like, okay, I've made peace with my own relationship to this. Now I'm going to examine how it exists in the contemporary sense and how it affects the world now, um, because. A lot of my work, even though it, it is very engaged in the spectacle or the uh, dynamic elements of warfare, I'm trying to um, not criticize warfare as such, but 
specifically imperialism. Um, I'm very, very obsessed with, like, the imagery of, like, the U.S. military overseas and stuff. And, like, that's specifically where I'm trying to, like, direct my critique. Um, because even though if I, I, I enjoy the spectacle and, like, the way it looks and the aesthetics of it, ultimately it's something that I'm also exploring because it's I think it's horrifying in mm. a sense. Like, I... With No Tiger specifically, the first piece that I wrote for Psy Mortar, which would end up in the, which would end up being a lot of this book, uh, called uh, J Dam, which uh, I wrote after watching um, footage of bombings in Syria from the U.S. Uh, Air Force. Because I became specifically fixated on the the experience of like disconnection that happens when you're watch like with these things happening like these are actual deaths and violence happening across the world, but I'm watching it through this filtered out like distilled version that's just grainy like video footage and the specific like horror that exists in between that like disconnection happening became a very very like compelling thing to me that I really wanted to explore from as many angles as possible and in a lot of ways I still am exploring it even though it's been over a year now like I can't, I like, I basically can't get it out of my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's um powerful imagery. I remember my cousin, who's maybe seven years older than me, joined the National Guard, I guess probably right when he turned 18. And we were watching videos. I don't even remember what it was. It was some National Guard, like, website that maybe there was a login to get into, but it was people who had were doing tours or who had done tours were posting videos um and so you got like weird like photo slideshows set to metal music of you know like here's me and my buddies in our tent here's you know some of the locals here's a guy with his head blown off just like boom 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 Mm -hmm. um and particularly there's one of those like grainy night vision from a drone uh, footage videos set to like um, Three Stooges so- sounds uh, sound effects as you see like three little shadows and then a big flash of white and then there's no three little shadows anymore yeah it's I can see it being really easy to uh, l- let that settle on your brain es- especially if if you're experiencing that at the same time that you're learning about uh, the actual effect that it has on the world. I guess maybe that's where you and I maybe diverge is that I was not at 12 or, or whatever, like learning about marks at the time. Yeah. Like it, it's something where like, there's a reason why people like watching this kind of thing that like i i feel like i'm 
both like watching it for those reasons where like people people watch these kind of things because there's like a, a a dynamism to it that is exciting it's it's like watching it's like like some of this footage looks like watching like a video game it's, mm-hmm. it's so crazy some of it especially now since gopros and stuff are very very popular in the middle east um that mixed in with like the horror of it where you're seeing actual people like die and stuff that like it it's almost inescapable how potent it is because i think there are a lot of people who watch it being horrified but like that's part of what makes it so compelling and hard to turn away from it's like watching a car crash Mm -hmm. um and that's definitely where i'm coming at from it where i'm like i i i I have well there's more like a third dimension to where i'm like i feel this weird uh you know contradictory feeling about the horror of it and the like aesthetic like uh spectacle of it but also like like uh, in a meta sense i am obsessed with the fact that that contradiction exists and i'm exists and Mm. i'm constantly examining that contradiction sure as you're writing that contradiction how does that like come together um for you like the process of thinking about what you're writing as you're writing it the way i found to that like it, it gets it across the best for me and the way that satisfies me in my work is and this is part of why like i i sometimes find fiction hard to write is because like i have been a poet for so long that like like abstracting everything as much as possible mm-hmm. is the most like compelling way for me to write sure so like i feel like exploring these things like they're like it's 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 um the inhumanity of it i guess is where i think uh i'm being like i think the most effective way is exploring that inhumanity and like a lot of my stuff i have you know these descriptions of like beastly like machines and stuff crawling over the landscape and everything that um and just like spinning death out indiscriminately because that that, like that to me that's what it feels like is that like especially understanding these things from a political angle it's it's almost like a you know runaway car at this point where we're not even like at the wheel and nobody's nobody's you know at the brakes or anything and uh these things are happening almost automatically like Syria is being bombed by the U.S. just because, like, that's what we've always been doing at this point, and there's no way we can figure out a way out. And um, I, I feel like putting on display, I guess, the irrationality and like machine-like and just kind of inhuman quality to it is how I get my point across the best. Like step step monsters is is poetic, but it does that really well. A full metal kaiju draped in ammo belts, because there's an absurdity to it too. Like especially as we see more like prototype things coming out with the military, 
I can't think of any specific examples, but like exosuits are starting to be used in industry, so I imagine that it wouldn't be too hard to find some dude out in Iraq wearing an exosuit that just has like giant 50 cal guns on it or something. When and where do you write? Um, do you mean like... Like, do you write at work or do you write at home early in the morning for your sleeping schedule or before you go to sleep? Stuff like that. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's not even really on purpose, but basically everything I write is like, like, it's like almost all like in the, the period between like 5 p.m. and like 8 p.m. Like that's mm. when I write the most and that's not even that's not on purpose it's not like conscious or anything i think it's just when i happen to be awake enough and like focused enough that like i'm wanting to write it, it works you know with my work schedule usually but like i also don't really write at work um i've only ever written at home really i had a period for a while where i would try and write at work as much as i could like on my phone mm -hmm. and I just couldn't do it for very long because I think I have to get really focused for me to write. Like I have to be, some people can't do this, but I have to be read or listening to something mm -hmm. to write. I can't do it in silence very well or with, you know, other distractions. Like I have to be listening to something and especially listening to stuff with lyrics usually because, um, I get a lot of my like flow from listening to stuff with lyrics and kind of not like directly like integrating that rhythm into my work, but like it, it helps me think about uh, words in a rhythmic fashion, I think. Yeah, I get that completely. Um, there's a couple of people who have been on here who, who write like that. What do you listen to while you write? Um, it, it varies wildly like sometimes i'll listen to like uh you know like goth metal or something like typo negative or mm. like i'll listen to uh kind of jokey like like uh mumble rap and stuff mm. um it's not even like i like it's hard to describe really what what compels me to particular songs when i'm writing because like I'm the type of person when I'm writing, I'll listen to the same song over and over and over again when I'm writing a particular part. Mm. Like, I'll just, like, there'll be, like, a 30-second segment of a song that's, like, that's hitting right now, and I need to listen to this particular 30 seconds just constantly until I can write this bit. Um, but like I mentioned in the other interview, I used to... The, the big thing I listened to when I first got, like, deep into writing... I started to take it really seriously uh, stylistically and like trying to not just copy what other people were doing, but like really bear it out and try to figure out like a quote unquote style was uh, Death Grips. I was listening to a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of Death Grips at the time. Like I was obsessed because I just discovered them. And I think that was also part of what kind of made me want to figure out a writing style of sorts or, 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 just develop my writing more consciously was realizing how i guess just how crazy you can get with like with with poetic form uh with the right imagery and flow to it mm -hmm. that makes sense aesthetically 
absolutely death grips works <laughs> with your writing i think so you you talk in the other interview and i'll post a link to that for people who who want to read it um because i think it's a really good interview uh you you talked a little bit about like your your older writing and uh writing like tiny little micro poems and stuff like that once you started to really kind of focus on on like finding your voice for lack of better term in writing like what what roadblocks did you run into um so a big problem i had that wasn't really a problem that i saw at the time but it's part of why i don't really share my older work or if i do like i am heavily modifying it at this point uh like there is a poem there's one poem in no tiger that is a heavily modified thing from 2018 it's the oldest thing in the in the whole book it's an immaterial pretense that is the oldest piece but especially like in when i was writing like 2015 2016 i had a problem with like kind of just like copy like like i was copying like other sources a little too much i was emulating very heavily so i like i was doing that thing where it's like i kind of had to find my voice by just copying other people and figuring out what i liked taking what i liked and moving on Mm -hmm. um and then also i have constantly had kind of like like even now like a, a bit of a like internal crisis which propels a lot of what i do like with with digital collage work where um i always feel like when i'm writing just verse there's something being unstated like i'm not able i i constantly feel like i'm not able to convey myself as much as i want to without a visual element to my work and i didn't start to realize that maybe i could do like collage work until well into that like crisis Mm. uh because i did nothing like visual really for years until 2019 um despite constantly feeling like that every poem i would write i'd be like i feel like i i'm not conveying like what i'm seeing in my head well enough i really enjoyed the collage work in in the book i was it necessarily meant to kind of like I don't know chapterize the content or is it are they in there as their own pieces or um so i did sprinkle them in i tried to make them like sprinkled in like kind of evenly but overall they're mostly their own pieces except for the ones preceding flashland and uh the one before semtex ads um those were made for those specific pieces um, as complimentary to them. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, they're mostly just on their own and I sprinkle them in just kind of loosely to keep, to break things up a bit. And usually I make them, unless it's for a prose piece, I usually just make them as their own thing. But like mm-hmm. usually when I do a prose piece like Flashland or Semtex ads that's on the longer side, I try to do some collage work along with it. I, I I really liked Flashland. Um, I, don't, I don't even know really how to say what exactly about Flashland I liked. I guess it reminded me, sort of, of 
the brief portion in uh, B.R. Yeager's Amygdala Tropolis where there's a video game sequence where it's like a, a couple with dementia or something, but it, something about that sort of computeryness to it s- strikes me. Yeah, uh, I actually think, I don't remember if I wrote that before or after I read Amygdala Tropolis, because if I did, I would be like, yes, it was like Amygdala <laughs> Tropolis was definitely what I was coming off of writing that. And I know I read it around that time period in the summer. Um, but it definitely is like, I definitely see like a lot of the parallels. Um, and Flashland's a weird piece. Cause like, it's, it's the one that I think has gotten me the most attention from people who are not part of my typical audience. Hmm. Um, because I wrote it not trying to be erotica so to speak like like specifically but like taking a lot of cues from erotic writing um because even though i don't really read that kind of thing i am compelled by it because i find it just interesting i like i like the the art form of of people who are writing specific things specific about like coming from a place of desire and stuff like that i find it i just find it interesting and I remember uh, posting it, and it got me attention from, like, like I got a bunch of new mutuals and stuff from, like, people who wrote erotica and, like, uh, were into, like, drone and hypnosis kink stuff. Like, like oh, a lot yeah. of people who were into that kind of thing really liked Flashland. Uh so I don't know. It's like it's a it's an interesting piece, I think, because like I've also, I think it's the most. How would I put it? It's one of the more relatable things I've written, for, uh, like other trans women, because I I would sh- I used to show it all the time to other trans women, because I felt like it was, expressing this, um kind of shared experience of like a feeling of monstrosity to one's own like identity along with um a lot like feelings of confusion and desire in regards to one's own sexuality as like as a trans woman i like the idea I guess I don't necessarily know if I would call your writing horror writing, but I feel like so much of our experimental ecosystem takes a lot from from horror writing, but I like the idea that erotica writers would also be drawn to something like that. Um, Because both erotica and horror are set out to give you physical responses to the thing that you're reading. So I suppose they have a lot that they could take from each other. Um, yeah, I I have like <clears throat> there's a there's several people in my like circles that like really tread the line of whether they're writing erotica or horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that a lot, I think, more in this. Uh, 
this experimental like art scene that has a lot of like uh trans people in it um because they're like uh flashland and also scales specifically scales especially so were written after i had gotten really into a writer named porpentine charity heartscape who is a trans uh writer that's been around for a while and she does a lot of like not like um just like very uh, like erotic angled stuff and a lot of horror and a lot of blending of the two that I found really compelling. Like, she had a piece specifically called uh, Living Fucking Creatures I, I wrote, read in early 2019 that was like, oh, this is, like, this is the type of piece I, I read, and, like, my... The way I see my own art is just changed completely forever. Like, I can never go mm. back to before I read that piece now. Um, and that's what ended up directly inspiring Scales 2717. Um, so yeah, like, I think especially, especially with, like, trans experimental artists, you get a lot of this neat blend of horror and erotica, because, like, not that, like, it's necessarily, there's necessarily a horror element to transsexuality, but it's something that I think a lot of trans people have to like reconcile with you know being in a society that very commonly looks down and like uh demeans trans people right yeah i i suppose i can see where you know the the body um and then sex with regard to the body especially since we you know since like genitals are such a big part of that conversation normally how that all kind of like comes together with discomfort and and all that um the scales is interesting because it feels like it really embraces degeneracy for lack of a better word um and and maybe that's kind of like a radical act too because like right-wing people like to call people degenerates all the time but like there's there's an amount of like freedom that i saw of just like i don't know maybe in the the act of writing it and putting it out into the world like gives it like an acceptance you know i don't know does that make any sense at all yeah i felt like uh, and also, th there's an element of this in uh, Sharks, uh, too, where, like, I wrote both of those pieces, and I remember, like, publishing them on Surfaces, and I was like, oh, like, this is it. Like, because I was still really new to the writing scene, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the stuff that's going to get me canceled. Mm -hmm. this stuff. <laughs> like, I was so convinced that people were going to be, like, really bothered and upset by these things, because they're so... Uh, unabashedly like erotic and violent yeah. at the same time and I knew that like even though that kind of milieu exists out there at that time I hadn't really seen other writers who did that kind of thing like I didn't come across very many 
uh, trans writers who were specifically trying to be erotic and sexual along with like ultra violence and gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I, I was corrected eventually, and I and I kind of almost built my own space of people who are receptive to that over time but at the time yeah like everybody reading my stuff was still like just mostly cis like straight white people and stuff so i was like oh yeah like everybody's gonna be disgusted (laughs) by this um yeah scale is definitely like is definitely like engaging in like like a like a like a level of hedonism where like it's meant to be horrifying but also like the the lizard girl in the story is like she is freely and like consensually uh giving herself up to this kind of thing right now that i think about it it's kind of like clive barkery you know like the cenobites don't have a difference between pain and pleasure so like everything's just like some weird orgy where people are eating their limbs torn off um and I guess it also makes me think of like Nicholas Reffin who talks about how how like violence and beauty are inextricably linked which might just be him being uh signaling that he's problematic without us knowing it maybe um but while I had never read anything like sharks it did feel logical to me like I don't I, I don't know what exactly that means. I guess I was coming off of reading a lot of M. Kitchell at the time, so going from Experimental Men to No Tiger wasn't a super big leap, but um, I don't know. I guess I guess you read enough contemporary lit and you can kind of just like see where things are going, so when something happens, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely like fits here. That makes sense that this would be here. Yeah, like... Uh... I think that's part of why I was like so convinced that like uh, people were gonna be upset by uh, sharks when it came out because that was the first like really uh, sexual thing I had written and like put out there uh, was because I have like before 2019 I had like very little exposure to like contemporary literature or even you know the canon like I mm. didn't really read the most I'd been exposed to was I was like decently into alt lit and like Tao Lin and stuff when that was a thing and then like stops with all that when you know like 2014 rolled around right and kind of just did my own thing for several years so like I didn't realize like this was the kind of thing that people would even would even be willing to read or if people would just get upset by it and uh I was very surprised by the response to sharks because i had a lot of people who i wouldn't have expected a million years to like it who were like very affected by it and like you know very positive received it very positively um and now that i'm kind of more embedded in things i am seeing kind of how there is like a precedent for this kind of thing and there's other people who are doing things a lot like my stuff uh Especially, like, uh, uh, people I know, like, um, uh, Vera, who's it featured in the book. Um, mm-hmm. She has a collage in the book. And uh, Paris Green and stuff, who also kind of deal with this 
offbeat, like strange sexuality in their work. So that's something that I like to think about too. Is is your is is a a writer's relationship to their audience? Um, and I guess now that you're more embedded, has your awareness of your audience? changed how you write or view your own writing um i think it's changed how i view my own writing within it's kind of the 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 canon that surrounds it where Mm. like i am now writing with the awareness that like there are other people who are kind of glancing along the same angles i am in their work uh, but overall, it ha- I don't feel like it has changed my writing itself so much because I'm still very much the type that's like, I'm writing for myself. Like I'm writing stuff because I find it compelling and like, I really don't care if other people are like frustrated by it. Like I'm probably gonna like, even if I have like moments of doubt where I'm like, oh, I don't think people will like this. I still end up putting it out there anyway. Because yeah, like I, I don't know, like I can never really keep in mind like consciously what like it would appeal to an audience when I'm writing just because I'm the type of person that when I'm writing stuff, I'm writing at least like purely on a surface aesthetic level i'm doing it because like i think it's cool and like anybody else who doesn't like i don't care whatever about it um and i know that's also frustrated people before because i especially as i turn towards the warfare stuff and like mechanized identity and everything i kind of come at the themes like repetitively and like maybe write stuff that like reads the same a lot of the time but it's like i'm the type of person when i'm writing i'm very obsessed with like examining a theme or aesthetic from as many angles as possible and i feel like even if i'm reiterating stuff sometimes I have I find a lot of value personally for my own reasons for engaging with this aesthetic to reiterate it anyway and to just re-explore it from different angles as much as I can. I felt like at first when I finished Cymorder and released that mm-hmm. that flat the Flack Wolves piece would be kind of like my turn away from like it would be my final little like footnote on like the the warfare aesthetic stuff but it ended up not being so like i i still ended up finding myself drawn to this theme and aesthetic regardless and like still wanting to re-explore it as much as possible though doing so from i guess more abstracted angles rather than direct like critique of like imperialism as much as i was because like zone fire which is my current project sort of it's just a zine I've been working on, like, in the background since I finished Side Border. Has a lot of this, of similar aesthetics to the Flock Wolves piece, specifically. But, um... It's much... It's going back more to a focus on, like, examinations of, like, internal identity. 
and stuff like that than uh, an exploration of warfare as such. I I like I I did feel that that uh, like iterativeness uh, near the end of of the book, um, but I also liked it because I mean warfare is banal as it is you know horrifying it's horrifying and absurd almost you know it's like a feedback loop there's so much of it that it's that it's nothing and that makes it horrifying and it's horrifying because it's war and and on and on and on and on um and i also like that um in this sort of writing ecosphere where um, there's a lot of people writing about the body, a lot of people writing, um, you know, uh, person versus themselves type of conflict narratives um, that you uh, branched out to, like, include the mechanizations of of the current present day. Uh Especially, you know, we got a lot of, like, World War II literature out there kind of perpetually and stuff, but um, the aesthetics of, of modern warfare is is something that, I don't know, doesn't get touched on the way that you touch on it very much. Uh, I also really enjoyed the Flag Wolves piece and, like, desperately wanted it to be serialized. <laughs> like, I want, like, I want a lot of those stories. It's yeah, I see. I felt the same thing after I wrote it. Like, okay, when I was writing it, and right after I wrote it, I was like, I had points where I was like, okay, I can't like think about this like setting or these this character anymore because it like is like I remember having to take a break writing Black Wolves because like it was the one time I had written something that I felt like was so deeply extreme and upsetting to me personally that was like i can't i can't mm. do this i gotta take a like a, a mental health break for writing this because it was just too much for a while uh but i did start to feel that like once i went back to it where like it felt like i had made something that like i could do more with and i've kind of played around with that i've, I've written some stuff that is you know uh the same setting and character and stuff because uh, i do like i i, I it like the flat goals pieces like that's my baby like when it comes to any other writing i've done like that's the one that like i feel very personally attached to and like if i had to base a brand like my brand around any singular piece it would be that one like that's the one where i feel like i really figured my own writing out Mm. so to speak mm -hmm. uh and i've seen that too with like the fact that i have uh friends and like readers and stuff who have like done like fan art of of flack wolves which i think is really oh, fun cool. and i've um like someone made a 3d model of how they interpreted uh the main character care and like people have drawn you know like pictures and stuff and there's some people there's a couple people who said that at some point they want to write fan fiction of it which mm -hmm. i thought was like really cool i'm like desperate for someone to do that at some point 
That's good. We need that. I think I I think we need that a lot in the uh very insular world that we live in where it's just writers and writers reading writers that we need fan fiction of stories. What's that app that that all the kids are using these days that has is that slash fic or Wattpad something there's a uh... There, it, the one that the website that a lot of people use now is Archive of Our Own or AO3. Okay, that's right. I just made myself sound very old. I am not that old, but oh my god. Yeah. Um. So so talk a little bit about the the Flack Wolves website then. So I'm still like working on it. Like I haven't worked on it in a while, but like it's probably mostly gonna be like just a repository for my work but also Mm. i kind of wanted to also have it um have it as a place where i could maybe explore doing different um formats for writing that like a lot of that that you don't see a lot especially now with with like uh writing at least in our milieu is mostly just like you know you you get a book or you are publishing through like literature magazines or something Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of either just putting it up on a website on neo cities or whatever or just posting it on the timeline like just as it is yeah like a lot of it gets cycled into the kind of designated ways to release it which are lit mags and small presses mm-hmm. uh but i was i got interested um over the winter in looking into how you can use like just simple html to maybe present a story like serially mm-hmm. um by just updating it and like kind of just add on to a story over time because i know that there's some like old, older fan fiction before like bigger sites existed or like I know that I've seen some fiction before that's like just put up on like an HTML site and then that just gets updated as the writer finishes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've considered doing that with like maybe like putting up like Flack Wolves like vignettes and stuff as I get them done and maintaining just a page for that kind of thing. Um, which is why I bought like the domain in the first place and named it that. I I mm-hmm. bought like I found that you can buy old Soviet Union domains for like twenty five bucks a year, which is fantastic. Yeah, .su is wonderful. Um, I like that. I think I think we talked about it on the the services episode that you and I kind of share an affinity for the older pre Reddit internet where you're just stumbling upon upon websites that are just their own contained things and you're not really sure exactly what's going on with it but you know that you like what you're seeing and and whatnot so i appreciate that you're continuing to resurrect that sort of praxis i guess yeah i what's weird too is that like it's not even a thing i'm doing out of nostalgia so much because I was never really around on the internet when that was like, bef- like 
using it a lot before social media kind of took over. It's more like a thing where I'm doing it because I figured it out, like figured out this kind of thing existed and I am melancholic that I missed out on it entirely, mm. which I guess would be like uh, a hauntology or whatever yeah. it is that Mark Fisher calls it. Or like I'm nostalgic for something I never even got to experience. Right. So I think that that's good because if I were to try to do it purely out of nostalgia, it wouldn't work very well. So me as a consumer of that sort of thing needs that hauntology to exist. So good. Good that that's the case. Do you have any calls to action or like final points that you want to really uh, hammer the, the last nail into this coffin with? Whenever I'm writing, I don't feel particularly like deeply philosophical, like a, like in a in a very directed way, or hmm. really coming at it with a, with a direct goal in mind. Um, but I do think, I guess, like a call to action, so to speak, that I that it, like something I want more from writers, especially like people who might want to submit to surfaces or something, is. I want I want more people to be like excessive and just like not write as much with concerns of being like high art or anything or quote unquote literary. Uh, I want people to be trashy and uh, absurd more and not get so caught up in uh, the stuff I think might be is kind of poisonous to writing. Uh, a lot of the time which is like concerns about where you're going to be you know five years from now your career and everything I think that that that's really limiting to where like internet writing can go alright so I'm going to read Prophecy of a Dying Girl Movements which is a piece that I wrote when I was starting to explore how my work, my, my, my verse work could interact with prose or you know, just sentence after sentence after sentence. Um, this was the first time I had really tried that instead of just writing uh, stuff, you know, with typical line breaks and stanzas and everything. And here we go. Sexy like the creases along a detonating 120-millimeter tank round. Only voyeurs, the reptile anomalies, crawl on upside walls. Horns gut myself, dick and wound, only pleasure bathed in red. Azaleas blooming in dirt between cracked Kevlar. Exist retreated in the gap between the ribs. Gurgling down the way, the only way I see love anymore, I'm desiccation. Hydra of silver vista off its shoulder huge storm clouds reduced to the flowers i don't bloom the gashes i commit hyperblade pressed against hard bone pressures cracks me sparrow living in my insides with trauma between her beak sakuras in my spit crack legs like branches and take advantage of me don't resist yourself because i'm here with my paranoia ready for you 
fractals in the blood reveal themselves like metal whales coming up to breathe hot steam. Ignore the half-eaten cigs between my teeth. I'm a heaven in disguise. Drinking snail oil, sabotaged futures. Black market of living things where stiletto heels cut the meat. Hazmat myself against the instincts. Contagions bleeding into tap water. I suck down those mutations.